0: I think it's, it's really hard to be heard having that balance, and I certainly know myself that when I've written blogs or spoken mm. about the way the Sabbath commandment doesn't carry over in a binding mm. way, almost once people have heard me say that, anything else I say yeah. afterwards that urges the importance of corporate gathering is lost, and people say, "Well, you're undermining it." If I am a pastor, I'd be the last one to I, yeah. I know that I'd be undermining yeah. my core business. <laughs> but um, but equally, I, I do think therefore you need to hold those two in balance: the, the freedom, I suppose, of believers, but also the priority of the corporate gathering of church.
1: Great. Welcome back uh, to Christian Sport Podcast today. uh, We're going to dive into what some would say is a pretty contentious but important issue to discuss, playing sport on a Sunday, or, or maybe more accurately, the relationship between sport and church. It's Maybe a relatively recent issue in some senses. In the early 1980s, um, Sunday afternoon became a key time to televise matches and to not affect Sunday attendances of of professional matches. Other sports then followed suit in the 1990s, and then youth and children's sport has followed. And now the majority of youth and children's sport takes place on Sunday morning. and it's now an issue not only for elite level players um, of competing on a Sunday, but for parents, then they're driving their kids, um, the kids themselves who, who aren't able to, to maybe make a Sunday gathering. Uh, and in response, then you've got those who are really keen for church to remain a fixed marker in the weekend, um, for it not to be relegated to when it fits around sport and others that recognize it's a really avoidable clash and look to find models to allow sport and church to exist together. The Archbishop of Canterbury even said that recently at Sports Mission Gathering.
0: For generations, parishes have supported mission abroad, at mission at home. But in recent years, have seen sport as a distraction, a threat. Isn't it terrible? People play sport on Sundays. Well, terrible or not, it's a reality. It's a fact. Get used to it. The sun rises in the east. The days are shorter in winter. It gets cold. You know, it's just life. Live with it. We have to say, this is what the world is. How are we going to deal with it?
1: So basically it can seem quite a complicated issue. And to help us wrestle this, we've got uh, reverend, I'll call you Reverend Pete Nicholas. <laughs> you are a reverend, but, but it helps with the relevance <laughs> of this. You're a minister in charge at St. James Clerkenwell, a former high-level rugby player, uh, as well as uh, someone with many sports people in your church uh, and much experience working with elite sports people as well from when you used to work for Sports. So Pete, welcome. Uh, Thank thanks you. for coming on. Good um, to be here. Firstly, what's your personal experience been with this issue?
0: Um, yeah, so I have personally had, um, matches organized for Sundays, um, and obviously it's been something that I had to grapple through when I was, um, playing serious rugby, semi pro, um, at rugby. And so there's, there's been that side of it as a player experience. Mm-hmm. And I've also played in teams where there've been players who are Christians, who've had a range of opinions on it as well. So that's also been challenging. And then when I worked for Christians in sport, um, supporting professional players, um, Uh, I can think of um, one man who um, played professional rugby and was very, very high level and it was affecting his international career and his contracts. He was getting into discussions Mm. about his contracts and Mm. he wouldn't play out of position of conviction on a Sunday. Mm. So supporting him Mm. and then other people working it through and grappling it through. And now as a church pastor, of course, I think about it um, and it affects um, members of my congregation who have children who play Sunday Mm. sport. So I guess I've got a a range of experiences, probably the full gambit in some sense. And I imagine, you know, given I've got two boys, one is three and a half, one is one and a half. Mm -hmm. It won't be long until it's around the corner for
1: us as a family to work through as well, where we, and how we navigate that as well. So some of our people listening, they'd probably be going, there's just not a discussion to be had here. Um, God makes it clear. Sunday's for Sabbath, Mm -hmm. uh, the term they'd use for sort of that day set apart. Um, It's holy It's set apart for rest. Um, so right at the start, let's deal with that. What would you be saying to somebody who, who's listening in and going, oh, come on, Christians in sport?
0: Yeah, I, I think one of the wonderful things is that the New Testament does actually speak directly into this issue. I think the, um, one of the, point, not the only place, but one of the helpful places to go would be Romans 14. And there the Apostle Paul does talk about um, one person esteeming one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his or her own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. And he goes on. Mm. And... um, clearly there, he is, his primary issue of focus is the Sabbath. That's why he refers to this the day, one day. That mm. phrase in the, in the Greek um, relates to the Sabbath. And so he is taking directly the issue of the Sabbath on there and discussing it. And just previously, earlier on in the um, passage of Romans 14, he's called it and, and um, urged the importance of not quarreling about opinions, or mm. sometimes it's translated, don't quarrel about disputable matters. Mm. So disputable matters like this are issues where there can be a genuine disagreement amongst Christians mm. um, about um, exactly what is right. And there needs to be an acknowledgement amongst Christians there is a range of opinions, mm. and that that doesn't mean necessarily that one person is um, you know, should be looked down upon by the other person, mm. even if you hold to that position strongly yourself. Mm. And it's quite interesting that Paul himself, who, of course, with an Orthodox Jew by <laughs> background, is actually able to say about the Sabbath, which would have been the fourth commandment that he would mm. have been grown up in, knowing about in Saturday school, you've got to keep this. And they were incredibly strict in observance. Mm. He himself was a Pharisee trained under Gamaliel. <laughs> (laughs) And he's saying that actually this is a disputable matter. In other words, this is one where Christians can legitimately disagree on. Mm. Um, And he says, but the key thing, you know, is the way that it's the kind of discussion is held and not judging another person Mm. for it not looking down their nose. Now, I think even if we just get that baseline principle, Mm. that's quite an important, but I think then pushing it a little bit further, Paul, by the very fact that he's saying that one could esteem one day as better than another, like while one another esteems all days alike, he's giving their wiggle room which mm-hmm. there would never be under an Old Testament reading of the Ten Commandments. No one says one person thinks about do not murder, that it's okay <laughs> to murder, and one yeah. person says absolutely not. So what he's showing there is that the way the Old Testament law okay. and the Ten Commandments map onto the New Testament is now different. Mm. And when it comes to the specific issue of the Sabbath, there is actually now, um, there's it doesn't bind, it's not a command that needs to be obeyed in the same way it's been fulfilled in Christ. Mm. And so actually the importance of observing the the day of the Sabbath as a matter of obedience to God, it is no longer a marker of obedience to God mm. per se. Now, of course, if one thinks it is in their conscience, Paul would say don't sin against your conscience. Yeah. But he's saying if you see other Christians who've really thought it through, rest it through, and have come to a different opinion, then that's legitimate as a reading now of the um, of that command.
1: Okay, so help us then then understand that there be a few things which we'd say then not necessarily aren't disputable but are really helpful as we wrestle with this issue because mm. there be certain things we say no they are still really important we don't want to massively sweep under the carpet right. church for example correct. we think that's, we think that's so important we want to say it right at the start so help us maybe understand what are the sort of things we need to be holding in tension with this issue yeah
0: so I think that's one of the challenges is that I think what often has happened in this discussion is that once someone has grasped for example that the way that the Sabbath commandment of the Old Testament to observe the Sabbath day and to keep it holy doesn't um, isn't carried forward in the new testament in a way of a binding command itself they kind of can almost therefore go fine wonderful therefore mm. church is relegated to secondary importance and therefore I can understand of course a lot of people who say well see the damage you've done by saying yeah, that of course um, but the new testament of course and again you, know, you think of the apostle paul they hold um, they hold these two things in common which is the binding of the sabbath command in the new testament has changed but nonetheless the importance of the new testament gathering and corporate mm. worship as we gather together as believers It's still absolutely foundational Mm. um, to the people of God. And so therefore you think of Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, not neglecting meeting together Mm. as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another daily. It's it's, Mm. it's almost a raising of the standard there. It's not just weekly you would gather in synagogue or temple, but you now gather daily. Mm. Um, And certainly therefore, if if there's this call to not neglect meeting together, but encouraging one another daily, the importance of having a regular gathering Mm. to gather to work, worship God together, for mutual encouragement and edification and building up of the body is really important. So I think there's just always a caution there of a balance of sports people who say, okay, I want to play on Sunday and I see I'm not bound to the Sabbath commandment. The question still has to be answered very you know, carefully by those people, which is okay, mm. where is your regular corporate worship mm. gathering? How are you ensuring that you are being encouraged and you are committing to encourage the body? Because that itself is a really, really important exhortation. And
1: that's where it becomes quite important, that doesn't it? Because I've I've heard I've had friends I've, t- I've discussed with other people and they'd go, oh, well I'll, I'll listen to some sermons online or I'll yeah. listen to a podcast or two, and and you kind of go. Some of you are taking a box, but, but we're, we're made to meet together aren't we mutually encourage each other.
0: I think that's a really important emphasis, the, the corporate gathering, it's people coming together. It's not just about me being fed and me walking on in the Christian life. I I mean, I, I do think that even if you you have that view that I can do that by being fed online and Mm. things like that, the problem is I actually need other believers to speak into my life and I need that fellowship. And also we, we don't want to miss the incredible importance of gathering. When we Mm. actually gather together (laughs) as believers, where two or three gather together in my name, I will be with them, says says the Lord. Of course, we individually have the spirit. But throughout scripture, there is a very high expectation of when we come together as believers, um, the presence of God in our midst, Mm. both for edification, for building up and also for evangelism, for reaching out Mm. is really, really important. So I think it's really hard to be heard having that balance. And I certainly know myself that when I've written blogs or spoken (laughs) about the way the Sabbath commandment doesn't carry over in a binding Mm. way, almost once people have heard me say that, anything else I say afterwards that urges the importance of corporate gathering is lost. And people say, well, you're undermining it. And I'm Mm. saying, look, I'm a pastor. I'd be the last one to undermine it. I'd be undermining my core business. But um. But equally, I, I do think, therefore, you need to hold those two in balance. The, the freedom, I suppose, of believers, but also the priority of the corporate gathering of
1: church. What would you then say to somebody who talks about, so. you want to talk about rest hmm. for a little bit? Cause we're made to meet, we, we want to gather together such an, such an importance there. And so we'll, we'll wrestle with some of the practicalities of that maybe a little bit later. And we've got a number of podcasts, which are, are speaking to people who are wrestling with that issue. How do we meet corporately together? But what about rest? Because there seems to be for, from mindset my understanding, seems to be a, a principle and understand that rest is a good thing. Yeah. Um, seventh day God rested. I so mm-hmm. don't know whether we would go back there, but um Oh, are we called cool? just to be go, go, go the whole time? <laughs> So I
0: think, and there's an interesting thing to notice about what's happened with culture. So, well, first let me give the biblical moorings. Um, mm. The The rest day, the seventh day of rest is 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 blessed by God. So it's mm. really important. Genesis 2, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. So he made it holy. That is, he set it apart. Mm. He made it distinctive, important, yeah. significant, and then he blessed it. And so the first um, movement of the Sabbath is, is not to obey a command or not, but is actually a movement of blessing mm. to enter into the blessing that God gives us of rest and that blessing traditionally throughout scripture has always had two elements to it the first element you've got to abstain from your work mm. so the first thing stop working down your tools God stopped from his creative work on the seventh day um, six days he worked and then you know one day he rested but it's not the the end result is not just leisure now just this amorphous yeah. term which becomes <laughs> so big in western society we mm. stop working so that we can worship God so mm. that we can pay attention particularly to God so that we can gather together with believers in corporate worship. So rest has got two dynamics, stopping work and then resting in God. Mm. And it's really interesting with the stats you were giving at the beginning about when sport on Sunday started, that what's Mm. happened as society has kind of walked away in general terms, um, secularization in general terms from God. Then we've lost that second element of rest. Mm. So we 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 understand the idea because of course we still have the same rhythm in our week of yeah, you know five of days course. working, two days rest, roughly. Um, so we stop working, but we don't know what we stop in working for. So we now mm. stop working for leisure. Yeah. But in Scripture we stop working to rest in Christ and to mm. rest in God and to particularly focus our minds on that. And I think a lot of Christians have missed that as well. That that movement of the reason I need to rest is to rest in Christ and to have that particular focus. Mm. And that is a blessing. So I want that. I need. That that. And that's going to be good for me. We need to recapture that. It's not just so that we can stop working so we can watch the premier league and, you know, super Sundays or even play in super Sundays. Mm.
1: So what about when I can't rest when others are resting? Cause we've talked about the, the advantage of being together, the, mm. the mutual encouragement, one another, but what will have people listening in now who, as in currently in, in Britain, if you're listening to another country, well, it might be another day of the week. It might not be the same day. Um, but a a Sunday when others are maybe meeting together, but maybe you're on a golf tour Mm. and you're, you're as in the Sunday is nearly always a final round. So hopefully if you're doing well, you're there. Um, Wimbledon is a rest. It's slightly different on a Sunday, but there's lots of sports which you will play on a Sunday. And so you can't rest. You may want to, um, as a pastor, what would you be saying to, sports person in your church who's got that wrestle? Well, I
0: think first of all, I do try to look in the mirror as a pastor. Now, I, I get that pastors were often um, stretched, it's often difficult, we're, we're limited in our resources, and so therefore I don't want to kind of heap extra pressure on pastors. But I think the first movement in some sense for me as a pastor is to think, look, there is this big cultural phenomenon going on, mm. and I can't pretend it's not going on. Um, so if you're, you know, you're looking around your church on a Sunday, and hopefully you've got a number of people there, but also you only have to walk down to the parks and see there's thousands of people yeah. there. You, you can't pretend that that's not happening. Um, no. And if we're serious about reaching and engaging with those people, we do just need to grapple with that. And I don't think there are easy answers. Mm. Um, but there are certain things that one can do as a pastor. So, for example, we're fortunate enough as a church to be able to run a, a 4 p.m. service so, you know, like for a lot of parents or things who are playing um, children who are playing sport on Sunday morning, that's an option for yeah, them. And partly well. the reason we have a 4 p.m. service is we're mindful of that. We do an mm. 11 a.m. and a 4 p.m. and that gives people the possibility and means that, you know, they can still attend the corporate gathering and then attend Sunday um, worship and, um, you know, be built up, uh, away from mornings. Mm. And now, of course, if you're an elite athlete or if mm. you're away on a golf tour or something like that, it gets harder. Yeah. And again, I think as a pastor, I'd want to first look in the mirror. And and say, they're part of my my church. How can I serve them? How can I kind of go and meet them and recognize the the, um, the rigors that they're under? So in the same way that I will try and meet with men who work in the city early mm. in the morning, mm. because I'm aware of their schedules mm. and how busy they well, are. in some ways, it's
1: no different from shift workers, is it? Right. And we, we, we sometimes maybe put sport on a pedestal because it is seen as leisure. Yes. When for some people, this is a career. Right. This is the, the, the opportunity and gifts that God has given them to compete professionally. Yeah. As in, not not to compare apples and pears, but there's no difference to a doctor working on a Sunday because they've got a sh- got shift work on a Sunday. If, if we believe sport can be a vocation, it can be a, yeah. a job, then I, I think maybe it's just because we sit here Working for Christians in sport or understanding under yes. sport, we we hear this pressure, but is that maybe because sport's seen as leisure, not as vocation? Yeah, or and I think also because there's
0: there's been a past where you know sport has been looked down upon by the church as being something which could distract and become an idol. So therefore, you've yeah. got worship, and then you have the idolatry of sport. And mm. there wasn't necessarily a view of redeeming sport by not worshiping your sport, but by worshiping God through your sport. So mm. sport has been seen as an enemy in a way that work never really has. So when yeah. when sport is your work, um, sometimes the church still grapples with that. Now, of course, I think legitimately we want to hold that some people will feel the need to make a conscience stand on this and say, Mm Whether work or whether sport as work, I can't do that on a Sunday. That's fine. And we need to, of course, to support them and respect their opinions in a Romans 14 way. Mm. Um, but also for those who say that's not where I'm at, and I and I do think that it's, um, it's important to have the corporate gathering, but it doesn't necessarily need to be on a Sunday, then there are creative ways that one can do um, mm. in terms of meeting around God's word with other believers in another context. I mean, I'm slightly nervous of making too much of kind of doing a small group Bible study because I don't actually think it's the same as a sunday gathering yeah. you know you don't have usually sacrament in that mm. um in that gathering i so so mean help us understand thank that. you yeah sorry pastor speak yeah um so that, that we wouldn't have um uh, the lord's supper mm. um and we wouldn't have baptism normally mm. in a small group setting so there is something lacking and you don't have all of the church there in yeah diversity. then that'd be quite
1: a key thing isn't it because you could sit here and go well, I'll' I'll meet with other, as in, and this is a really good thing. And in some ways, what Christian sport does, tries Mm. to facilitate is, Mm. let's use the golf tour analogy. We'll we'll try and gather golfers on the top level tours Mm -hmm. to meet together around the Bible and encourage each other and spend time in God's word together and to be a place of, of witness of evangelism as well as they go out. But then you're, you are purely around people who have exactly the, in some ways the same struggles the same issues the yes. same questions which is which is great as a help to that but actually the the richness of the diversity of the body we we we're, we're, we're a body we're not just a hand we're not just a foot yeah I, I think you could lose that couldn't you if you only ever met in small groups of people who were like you exactly
0: and i think it is worth saying small group whilst it is meeting together in a hebrews 10 way for mutual encouragement um, and not neglecting doing that i would say it's important to say this not the full corporate worship, you know, kind of gathered as church experience. But then also, I mean, since we're talking about elite sports people, I do know from working with elite sports people, um, at Christians in sport, that if they're proactive about it, there are, there's lots of actual kind of space for Um, them to, for example, if they're, um, winter training and they're overseas actually just being aware of where they are and going yeah. on to the churches there. If you're on the golf tour, as you go to different places, mm-hmm. particularly because they're quite repetitive. Once you've done three or four seasons, you're in the same yeah. places. You can actually build up a relationship with churches there as well. And I know it's not the same as your local mm-hmm. church fellowship, but it, it doesn't need necessarily always need to be an either or. And certainly I've worked with players who've been very good about being proactive. Of every time they're back home, they're in their local church, if mm-hmm. they can be. And when they're away, they're trying to connect with the local church wherever they are. And they're also trying to gather around themselves a body of believers, you know, in, you know, physically or online who can support them as well and bring all those elements together.
1: That's really helpful. Help us. Uh, I'm just trying to think of some of the, some of the questions, some of the, the queries we get where you get Great. So we, we're talking about the importance of meeting together. We don't want to neglect that. The importance of, of rest, not neglecting that either. Um, you could just argue then, well, why, why would you even contemplate sport as an equivalent level to being part of the body. If you had an option on 11am on a Sunday morning, Mm. and and some people do have the option, potentially, um, why would you go sport still has inherent value? Can can sport be put on a, on a par as worship alongside gathering with one another and and singing songs together.
0: Mm. Yeah. And uh, again, that's a really helpful corrective. I've been, I've been trying to be, I don't know whether I've done it. I'd have to listen back, but then, you know, as we've been talking, I've been trying to be careful with my language and I do refer to corporate worship Mm. when we gather together, the corporate being the kind of body idea and us gathering idea. Um, But then I believe in all of life worship very Mm. much in the Romans 12, um, you know, way of offering your bodies as living sacrifices. That's worship language. That's offering language as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your spiritual reasonable act of worship and um, so it's important to say that actually as we go out of the church we often do a sending out at our church mm. you know we send people out to worship yeah. and we have a call to worship at the beginning so we want the idea that you come from worship into a particular special mm. manifestation if it were like of worship as the church and then we send you out to worship now yeah. built up so go go and worship and sport is therefore a legitimate area of um, <laughs> worship of course I mean you know, sport is so bodily and it's interesting in Romans 12 that Paul talks about, um, offering your bodies, um, as a worship, you know, wherever your body goes there, you can worship. Mm. Um, and the challenge for every sports person is not worshiping their sport, but worshiping God in their sport. Mm. Um, so I think having that mindset and also I think it does relate to vocation. You used it earlier to yeah. calling, um, you know, the church has often thought about the calling in two ways. There's two callings. There's the primary calling, which is when Jesus says, come follow me. Jesus says, there's your first calling, the call on every human being mm. who's ever born to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and savior. That's the first calling universal. On everyone mm. doesn't change. The second bit is, then he says, and I will make you fishers of people, fishers mm. of men. He's talking to fishers, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. So what he's saying there is he's saying you have particular dispositions, passions, Mm. gifts, context that I put you in as the sovereign Lord, use those dispositions, passions, gifts in the context to worship me in a particular way. Mm. They're fishermen. So go and fish for people. And many people feel convicted that they are wired to worship in sport. Yeah. They've got gifts to play. They're born to play. They're passionate about it. They're good at it. Mm. The context, they can do it. And so you want to say, great. So that's your secondary calling as mm. you follow Jesus, yeah, your and savior, offer those things up to him. And so sport is legitimate and dignified and important and we want to affirm that
1: Mm. whilst holding intention with the importance of church of course that's really really helpful thanks Pete so we in some ways we've seen these we could call them three legs on a stool. The importance of them—we're mm. we're created to rest. Um, there's an, there's an important around that way, we're, but we are born to worship, we, and we can worship in all of life. Whether we're sitting in the pews on a Sunday, listening to God's Word taught, which is great and it's important, and there's a, a corporate side of that worship. We're also born to worship as we play sport, or as we work, whatever it might be. But then the, we don't ever neglect that importance of meeting together and gathering together, and the, mm. the danger, the reason we're recording this podcast is obviously we know it's attention in today's culture. Yeah. Sundays become a second Saturday. For a lot of people, it's it's just another day. It's a day of leisure, day of rest, and we're going. Nah, make sure commit to resting in Christ and Mm. commit to meeting and corporately encouraging each other. Mm. Um, And so, I think we probably want to affirm, don't we, that uh, a stool without three legs is just going to fall over. Yes, Uh, and it's always going to be a wrestle. It's always going to be a tension. Would there be just as we close now? let, let, let's put the hat of a, a parent on. your parent yourself. Um, let's zoom ten years into the future. Um, your son is he's playing sport on a Sunday morning. He re, he's going, Dad, I, no, no, I need. If I am going to be in this team, I need to play. Uh, how are you helping a parent wrestle with this issue um, to to find a balance? Is probably not the right word because we want to hold all three mm. rightly in tension, but to find the uh, a really healthy way to to live with those three, three points of tension. Look, I mean, I think you've,
0: you have highlighted and hopefully it's been highlighted in the podcast that as much as you'd like simple answers in this area yeah. that just aren't. Yeah. Um, and I, we see it at Christians in sport in conversation with parents. You can mm. see them wanting you to give them a simple answer, <laughs> and it, the shoulders slightly drop a bit when you say there are no easy answers. But then I think the conversation helps, mm. and being in conversation and maintain that conversation. I think thinking about the conversation are well, three or four directions: uh, the conversation between parents and their and their children. Mm. really important. So for example, I know of one family where one of their three boys was playing very high level sport, mm. um, but it was impacting the family, mm. but the parents weren't putting any pressure on him. Not, they were just in conversation with him about it and saying, we're happy to serve in this way. Mm. This is our view of church. And he owned that view of church, even though he was, I think only like nine or 10 at the time. Yeah, wow. Um, but actually he then, as a nine or 10 year old, turned around his parents one day and said, look, I love my sport and I'm still going to play it, but I don't think I'm going to play that part of it anymore because it's too disruptive to the family. <laughs> now, parents are probably think, oh, well, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to dream have a child, child like yeah. that. <laughs> but I think the reason was because they were in conversation yeah, and they were praying it through with them, talking, giving yeah. him the principles and treating him, you know, with maturity. And so that conversation with the children, so they, mm. they see what's going on and they, they hear the importance of the different issues and the, the stools, um, the different legs on the stool. I think conversation also not just between parents and children, but between parents and pastors um, and and parents Mm. being in that conversation. So the pastors avoid the trick of thinking they're not committed. Actually, do you know your parents well enough to know that their life's messy, it's complicated and they're grappling with it and parents avoid, you know, the danger of my pastor doesn't get me, Mm. you know, open up that conversation and talk to them and explain the grappling and, you know, work it through, Mm. you know, in a way as well. And then I think the the third dynamic of the, of the conversation is probably with the sports teams as well. Mm. And, I think there's a great opportunity yeah. for witness as we turn around to coaches and we say whether the parents say it or the young people as they get old enough to say I'm committed to my team you know that mm. I love it but I'm also committed to God and this is tension for me and mm. I'm trying to work it out you know again I mean that's a that's a real eye-opener for coaches yeah um, and whatever answer you arrive at again you want to make sure that they understand what's going on it's mm. not that you're not committed to the team um, but it's equally that you do have other commitments as mm. well in life and your primary commitment to God and you're trying to work that out. So mm. I think of that conversation three ways, and that's probably why it's time consuming, yeah. but there's no simple answer, but hopefully the conversation is, is life giving wherever you, mm. it leads you.
1: And we can apply that. Can't we whether we're a parent, whether we're a, an athlete, whether we're a, a coach, mm. coaches on Sundays as well. So uh, it's just, just chat to people, mm. have that conversation, mm. speak with your pastor, speak with your coach. Like you say, it's an amazing opportunity, isn't it? To, to go, i um, I love my sport, but. I need to, I, I don't want to neglect this. My, my faith is the most important thing. Yeah. My relationship with Jesus as well. So, uh, thanks so much for helping unpack. I'm sure we'll have you on again another time um, chat, uh, different perspectives. Um, We've also got a number of podcasts coming up looking really granularly at these issues. So we, we'll have a conversation with a parent of a top young level athlete and really go, right, how they wrestle with this would be really helpful. <laughs> We're going to get some pastors on who, who maybe have not necessarily different views, but have wrestled with this themselves mm. and maybe set up church or been around a while, which would Very be helpful. Good. And similarly with with elite athletes who really live with this, who've maybe found it difficult to go to church, maybe because they're, they're so famous that they actually struggle to be part of the church body in yes. summary, So it's a tension which maybe some of us don't quite get, but, um, we know it's an issue and we want to discuss it. And that's why we have these podcasts to, to help wrestle these issues. So do keep chatting, uh, with whoever you're listening to, uh, this podcast with, um, take some of these points away, have a chat it through. Uh, and we do always want to say uh, on the podcast, do send us in your questions, uh, email podcast at podcast.christiansinsport.com. We'd love to grapple some of the issues you've got. I'm not assuming we know the questions you're asking. So do uh, email us in your questions or hit us on social media, uh, hashtag ask CIS. Uh, and we'd love to be able to answer some of your questions as well. Uh, see you next time. Goodbye.